on this week's long-awaited episode of the Bet the Process podcast, Rufus and I have a challenging conversation about his hygiene. No, it's not about his hygiene. It's actually about this whole unabated teaser tool thing that's caused such a kerfuffle on Twitter. We also welcome in some of our favorite friends and guests for a ushering out 2022 and ushering in 2023. And we end with some picks in our own reflections on the past year and the year to come. So with that, let's start the process. Bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to a long-awaited episode of the Bet the Process podcast, where Rufus and I are going to, and, and this is Rufus Peabody, who is a Twitter villain, and Jeff Ma, who is um, Twitter savant. Um, uh, we're both hosts of this podcast, but um, we're we're, um, we're going to cover some some difficult ground, some ground that I think that. Um, I mean, we, I guess we'll kind of just get into it because this is probably what people are listening for, or some people would be listening for. If we have more than seven listeners this week, the eighth or the ninth may be listening for that. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the situation um, that Rufus and Unabated found themselves in on Twitter with just sort of like this, you know, odd back and forth. Um I kind of stepped in at one point and said, Hey, this would be a worthwhile discussion. And the reason that I said that, and, and Rufus honestly called me and, and sort of said like, you know, like kind of like he didn't know what I had said, but you know, kind of, I guess felt like I was going to take the point of view of the people that were trolling him on Twitter. Um, and the Twitter people have kind of been like, you're going to be too easy on Rufus. And so for me, I don't really want to get into like, there's two areas that I think about with this. One is macro and one is micro. And I think the macro is way more interesting. I think the micro is where people on Twitter really want us to go. The micro is really around Rufus yourself. Like what, you know, you, the way you responded to this, you know, the, the, your, who you are. And, and we talk a little bit later about, um, you know, the, with Rob Pizzola on, on the subject. And I thought his response was, was interesting. So you guys can hear that later. But the first time that you and I ever had a conversation about this, it was when you were, you know, basically selling your golf projections on, um, as part of ETR, right? Jeff, and, can, can we hold on for a sec? Because I feel like you, you're alluding to something, but you haven't actually said what for somebody who isn't on Twitter, they probably have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, it, it, so I'm I'm going to get into that. I just want to get into like the background of the macro, which I think is interesting, right? So, um, okay, so maybe from a context perspective, why don't you give the context on what we're talking about? And then I can get into the macro part of it, which is ultimately like what led me to believe that this would be an interesting conversation for the two of us to have. So last earlier this month i think it was maybe three or four weeks ago unabated launched this teaser tool which 
allows users to basically identify where uh, teaser value lies and it integrates with our odd screen and is a huge time-saving product um, to be able to sort of explore where there's value at different books for, for teasers using our Altline calculator, but it's productionized in a way that is um, really, really easy to use and saves a lot of time. And this past week, I believe um, FanDuel changed their teaser prices for college football. Uh, that's what I was told. Um, and basically people assume people are blaming us for sharpening the market up for teasers. And so that's kind of, that's kind of where everything began. So then the first question, which is just a sincere question is, do you think that you have destroyed the teaser tool destroyed value for betters? Any betters? For any betters? Yes. It definitely destroyed value for some betters. It, okay. I think it provided value for our subscribers. Okay. And I think there's a lot of value out there that remains clearly. <laughs> okay. But do you think that the teaser tool, as long as it's out there, will continue to destroy value for a subset of betters? Oh, yes. It'll make the market more efficient. The same way an odd screen makes the, more, the market more efficient. Our prop simulator does. Spanky's odd screen. Because it allows people to access things easier and it makes the sports betting marketplace more competitive for betters. And so anytime you do that, you're, you're certainly going to make the market more efficient. Okay, then where do you personally draw the line between sort of helping betters, which is the goal of unabated, right? Like you guys have stated that's you you want to help betters, you know. Yeah. The, and the betting ecosystem the overall. To your service, right? What's that? And the betting ecosystem overall. So, right. So where do you draw the line personally between helping betters and giving out too much info because if you were all about helping betters, then you would probably give out a lot of your info on on golf too, right? And that's something that you've publicly stated before that you you don't want to actually give out info on, right? And and if so, I think Jeff, first off, it's a good question and it is a blurry line. And I think if I gave out give by giving out info, I'll I'm helping some people, but I'm also making the market efficient and hurting some other people. And I think that's what it comes down to. And so, in a way, by helping some people, our subscribers in the short run. Uh, it's going to make the market more efficient and make it harder for people to profit with sort of these top-down approaches in the long run. So would you understand why that would upset a subset of people out there? Oh, definitely. Because it, if, they're, if they've been making money off these particular approaches, they're certainly going to be protective of their edges in the same way that I'm protective of my edges for golf. Um, I think that it's, especially with, I mean, I, I personally do believe that markets tend toward efficiency and will continue to, especially um, some of the, I guess, more, I guess I'll call them top-down, like market inefficiencies that that you know, have existed. Most of those no longer exist. And that's just been, I mean, that's what I've seen in my, what, 14 years in this industry. And I think it's going to continue um, regardless of unabated, but I think it's going to continue unabated, uh, regardless of unabated. But I do think that that us putting that information out there for people that are um, using it smartly, there's a lot of they find a lot of value, and and if a lot of betters are betting the same stuff, um, 
it's going to make the market more efficient. That's yeah. But so if you continue to provide value to your betters that ultimately gets destroyed, isn't that similar to what we believe is the wrong thing with like someone that sells picks? Because ultimately, yeah, yeah, like it, if you're beating the market. That is a, Jeff for sure. And I think for me, the what makes the teaser tool valuable, uh, like in the short run, there's a lot of value because books are mispricing a few things um, pretty poorly. And using the teaser tool, you can discover that. But for me, I think the value of the teaser tool is similar to the value of an odd screen. You can use it to identify where a book being a half a point off market on something um, actually results in a positive EV opportunity on a teaser where it might not on a uh, just a regular side bet. So I think a lot of our tools are designed for someone if they want if they want to say I want to bet on the Packers. What's the best market to bet on the Packers? Is it a first half bet? Is it this money line? Is it a t is it part of a teaser? And so there are plenty of situations that I've found using the teaser tool where. The teasers aren't fundamentally mispriced in a way, but a book's line being just a little bit off in a particular situation can result in something. So I think I think the use case for, for me is largely, and I think this will continue even if books change their teaser prices, uh, is going to be kind of for, as an odd screen um, and as a way to sort of leverage um, a slightly off market number to find a positive EV opportunity. And I don't think yeah, that see, is going to, I think, I, and I believe that is more sustained. I mean, that that's sustainable in the same way an odd screen is sustainable. But yes, if you, the more people you have doing anything, the more efficient right. the market well, so, is going to get. So the, the, the question then again, and like we, we come back to sort of the micro, right? Which again, is what I find less interesting about this and the macro is more interesting. So hopefully we can get to the macro more quickly. But the micro on this is you were someone that sort of went, very publicly against touts for quite some time, right? And one of the reasons that you, you we, we believe that is ultimately the, the value that you're charging for is not that valuable over time, right? Especially if you are beating the market. And so well, we you know, believe, now we that believe you're in the, the majority of touts are not providing value. That, that's all. not, that's not, but th th this has always been a situation where you personally, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll speak for myself, right, also, is that, you know, we've been very tough on touts on this podcast always, right? And one of the fundamental reasons is because providing value to your, to your sort of subscribers long term is really, really hard, even if you are providing plus EV information, because once it gets out there, it sharpens the market, and it's really hard to get value out of it. So has this process changed your opinion? on on touts not all touts but on a subset of touts like do you consider do you see the nuance now or or not do you see the nuance but how do you think about that conflict now that you have where you are in some respects doing something that you used to speak out against so i think my I think I, I I think I was probably too black and white in the past on some things, and I definitely regret some of the more negative things I've I've said and 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 my negativity in Twitter in general, maybe two or three four years ago, um, and and further back. I think you and I have you and I 
think differently about this. Largely for me, it was about the intent. And you, I mean, I remember you saying that Aaron Schatz was just as bad as Vegas Dave. I I, I believe that um, I believe that touts are generally speaking, a, like overall, a net net huge net negative for the industry. Uh, and so I think, and, and this is, I've had arguments with the right angle sports guys about this. Um, when I would say, you know, don't buy picks, it was because, uh, well, because Twitter was, you know, you don't have that many characters in Twitter, but also because overall, if you try to find that one exception, you're probably, it's more likely you're going to find the, the sort of the false positive, the, the, tout that you actually think might have value that actually doesn't, then you will find one of the few diamonds in the rough. So um, that, that, you know, that is, that's my biggest issue with it. And if people are selling picks and their clients, their customers are happy and making money and they're delivering value, then that is, I mean, that's not something that I'm super concerned with. And I feel like I backed myself into corners in the past by just trying to defend stuff I had said. Um, but you know, we've, we've talked about the sort of economics of it in the past. And I, and, and so I, I, and certainly, and that's definitely the economics of what I'm doing um, are, are pretty interesting and, and trying to figure out a way to build a business in the sports betting space that can scale and that doesn't erode um, or, or where, people don't cannibalize each other's value, which is what happens if you're successful selling picks. And so I, the vision for us has largely been to be sort of like a Bloomberg terminal for sports betting and to be a place where, I guess for me, uh, the ethos is largely to allow people to sort of build their own thing. And so I think the prop simulator is a really good example of that, where you can put in your own prop projections and we have the infrastructure for the simulation and comparing the odds and, and identifying value that way. Same thing with the NFL simulator. You put in your own power rankings or use Massey Peabody or Unpredictable or ESPNs or any of the other various systems we have there or your own systems. And, and we, I built the infrastructure uh, for that simulation and the data science is really good. And you can compare uh, the, the odds to sports books, you know, for the Super Bowl playoffs, et cetera. Um, and find value and features off of that. And so those are the types of products that I think are going to be, are, are very sustainable because there isn't one answer. You're finding, you're finding your answer. Um, you're leveraging your opinion and, and we're helping you quantify that. And so that's kind of the direction that, that I think we, we want to go as much as we can. And I think having an odd screen is necessary kind of for this whole ecosystem and we do want to help betters. And a lot of um, a lot of the things I'll say, like the motivation for the teaser tool, uh, like I, I honestly didn't realize it would uh, it would show as much value. I didn't realize there was as much value as there was on it. But part of it was sort of for our uh, like vet the process thing for to be able to say with the share button, hey, look, Bill Simmons teaser here is awful teasing this total. Like to be able to kind of help people from help prevent people from making major mistakes. And so, uh, I don't know. Does that answer your question, Jeff? Yeah. I mean, I think it does, but I, I think again, we get back to the question, like the really interesting question here is, you know, like odd screens on one end, right. And maybe like selling picks on the other end, 
where is the line? How do you determine the line for you about giving out value because or destroying value in sports betting? You know, as you think about the the people that you left, um, you know, like that are your partners. Let's say that uh, one of your partners that used to work with on golf betting created a public subscription service that essentially reverse engineered what you did in golf betting and used the data, whatever, and started, you know, selling those picks and, or created a tool for people to, you know, you know, do that. Would would you have issue with that? Would that be something that you wouldn't be comfortable with? Well, I mean, if somebody took my intellectual property without me asking, you know, that I'd have issue with that just on a personal level. Right. I mean, if, if well, I like, let's just but, say but, that but, they just, some, you saying- like, let's just say, how about this? Let's just say it was like someone that, you know, not necessarily had ever talked to you specifically about it, but like, kind of like did exactly what you're doing in golf. And, you know, I, I kind of know what you would do. I, I feel well, like I, what you I, would do is I, I go to that person do, and try to, I think I'd probably do what a lot of the people or I, especially if it was a few years ago, I definitely would have done. And I think I have done what a lot of pe- people in Seville are doing and trying to discredit the person and trying to make, you know, make it less popular because, because it can hurt my bottom line for sure. Okay. I think, I think, I think it, what you we would all do have is our I... own, we certainly all have our own self-interests um, in mind and it would, if it, yeah, if it erodes my edge. And by the way, there are plenty of things out there that have come out that certainly have made my edges decrease over the years and just the general market getting more efficient. But um, I I do think the one advantage I have originating is the fact that that I do things in kind of a unique way. And it's, there's no, there is no sort of one central point of failure where I'm, my edge is going to be lost if people figure out one thing. So I think that, uh, but, but so I totally get, so you like, you, you kind of would have wear a t-shirt that says like, instead of protect the whales it would be protect the originators. No, I mean, I, I'm, I certainly want to protect my own edges. That's, that's yeah. Right. So, but again, as, like, as everybody does, like, as everybody does. And I think one big problem for unabated actually is the fact that, people that are using our product don't want other people to use it. So, which in a way is the same problem a tout has. You're right. A successful tout. And so, so let's go move on to the macro thing. Right. And and what I was saying before we kind of like took a step back is um, this, this idea that since you've now started a business um, that's a for-profit business that is making money off of betters, right with the goal of trying to help betters, I understand. Um, you're now in a much different position than you used to be when you were just a podcaster and a professional better, right? And so you've already answered, has that changed your opinion on touts? Like you, you think it's more nuanced than it, it is, but how, do you believe that the, you know, the business model that you have is ultimately sustainable over time? Like, do you think that it's possible to do what you guys are trying to do and really provide value long-term to betters. And, and how do you, how do you believe you're going to do that? First off, Jeff, I'll, I'll say that, that my views change and evolve. And I, I hope my opinions and views continue to change and evolve because that's kind of what, what growing is and, and, you know, I'm questioning things and all that. Um, number two, I'd say, I think some, we, people have said that 
whether you're selling picks or giving out picks for free, it's the same. So if you, I don't know if that, I think that, I mean, there's still a responsibility you have, uh, I think is the argument that some have made. Right. And so I think that we, yes, we have a business for profit. We would like it to succeed and make profit. I think we've, um, I align myself with people who have an ethos I agree with. And I think we've, we've made decisions that have not always been in the interest of being the most profitable um, because some of those would have gone against what we believe. And so we want to build a business that is successful and is profitable, but is aligned with our values. So that's kind of what we want to do. Um, I think I said a lot about what, why I think we can be successful with this long-term in a way that, um, that does align um, with our values and, and the fact that building products that allow people to sort of come up with their own answer. And yes, that will, that, that will make the market more efficient. If you have, just like if, if everybody in the world got, I don't know, had the same data I have, or the same data, a lot of betters have, um, or, at, or everybody in the world had better statistical skills, you'd have more competition. Uh, you'd have more sharper betters and it would make the market more efficient. And so we're, we're okay with that. Um, I think we want to give people the ability to quantify their opinion and to, um, to sort of build things themselves. And so that's kind of a large part of the ethos. And, and I mean, we see it as sort of this Bloomberg terminal is, is kind of the, that would be that would be a great outcome if we're something that's really indispensable in people's processes and saves people time uh, and money. And that's kind of that was largely the ethos of. I mean, the hell <laughs> I hadn't bet teasers in in years uh, just because of how time consuming it is to go through and figure out where their value is. And and so uh, I think building things that save people time is always is always valuable. So, so what I would say, Rufus, the the Seville claim, and you can take this for what you want, and and ultimately, what they would claim and be upset about most is the statement you just made. I haven't bet teasers in whatever. I built this tool that went and destroyed a lot of value for those people that have been betting well, teasers. Like I had one Seville guy that I re really respect privately message me and say that he's bets gets to about six figures down on teasers every week. And, you know, this is like literally destroying his edge and he does not like you for that. And so you could understand how this could create a lot of animosity for people as they think about this, right? It's an area of that course, you weren't focused on. People are right because they have their, they have their self-interests in mind. And just like if someone published you know, all my golf stuff, I would not be happy about that either. I, I, I completely understand that. I think, I right, do think it's so a little bit, you can't take wait, the... Jeff, Jeff, may I finish? Um, I Go do ahead. think it is a little bit overblown because one book changed the prices of teasers in one sport as well as changing. They, they closed a lot of other loopholes um, in like some particular quarter pricing stuff that we don't do it unabated. So I, I, I don't, I don't want to say that it wasn't unabated, but I don't know if it actually was or wasn't. Um, it seems like they've 
you know, they they went about and closed some loopholes in general. But Rufus, there's but so still you gotta a lot kinda of like you gotta kinda own this one way or the other, right? At oh, some level. Like you gotta be like wait, wait Jeff, there is you nuance. know, like you look uh, whether or not whether or not FanDuel changing their college football teaser prices was caused by unabated, I do think that that our teaser tool will result at some point in maybe books changing some teaser odds. Okay. So so I, both of those things can be true. Uh, I, but my, my point is something like that is, I mean, my, my, how do I put this? Other sharp betters continuing to have sort of be able to shoot particular angles. Isn't the, isn't my primary interest. Like if, I mean, think about betting right. for your a living. Primary, betting, your primary betting on golf, interest. No, betting on golf for a living and and other sports. Um, I, you know, if I make the golf market more efficient, it destroys opportunities for other betters. That's that is totally selfish in a way. It's so, I'm I. Right, but you could you, so you, my my question to you, right? And again, like we we have this kind of interesting sort of back and forth with Rob Pizzola about this later, you know, do you think you could have handled this a little bit differently from a public perception standpoint when people were pretty upset, as you said, late, they maybe rightly had, had the right to be right. Because ultimately you're kind of a, attacking their livelihood at some level. And I'm no, it should be rude to you or dick to you on Twitter. I, I, I get that. I, I, I understand that, but I think that, and again, like some people that we know and respect reached out to me because we knew we're doing this and sort of like the, the thing that I think frustrated them was that you weren't, it didn't seem like you were open to the constructive criticism or feedback on this and didn't really acknowledge the idea that, you know, you, you kind of dove into an area that you weren't getting a lot of edge out of it and were more than willing to sort of destroy the edge in that area um, because it's not something you do. But yeah, if it was something I, I guess, that you do, your whole on. point of view would have been different. There's a, there's a, you asked a question, then there was a lot of other speaking after that. So um, to your initial question, I think from a PR standpoint, yeah, I definitely d- should, could have and should have handled it better. I mean, I, I think anytime, I think I just shouldn't have even wandered into that discussion. Um, like it's, there's it, at a certain point, there's no, there's no use. There's no use even engaging um, because, you know, if, for you know, I, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get criticized no matter what. Um, if if the tool was bad, I'm gonna get criticized for that. If it's good, it, too good, I'm gonna get criticized for that. Uh, I think I need to. I, I'm I try to be as honest and transparent as I can, and uh, and it's a big goal of mine to not be defensive and to try to like listen and be open minded and hear what people are saying and. And I need to do a better job of that. And I'm going to continue to try to do a better job of that. Um, as for, uh, I, I will say, I, you know, a lot of, I don't know. I mean, people, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, I, I have more thoughts, but. I mean, the thing is, Rufus, I, I, as your friend, believe that you had the purest of intentions in launching this tool. Like, I don't think you were like, 
oh, I'm going to destroy all this value in the teaser like market for people. I don't think you thought there were, there were that many edges left. And I didn't think you were. And, and so like, ultimately, I don't think you went into this with any kind of like, you know, but I think the only thing that, that I, you know, would criticize is sort of like the lack of awareness to put yourself into the shoes of those people that were actually getting quite a bit of edge destroyed as you guys launched this. Right. And I get then ultimately, it. Jeff, I get it. And, and we're, I will say we are destroying edges by giving, providing edges to people. Would you agree with that? We're, yes, we're essentially, for, I think the question would be, in, in essence, I think the question what we're doing is publicizing long? an edge, right? Which, I mean, so, so for people at first were saying um, that books didn't, I mean, I think somebody claimed that like, oh, you're telling books about long teasers or something. And, and um, I'm like, but that's not, that's not, that's not what that's, that's this, there's more to this. Let's not like, let's not, let's not minimalize it. No, I I got it. I got it. But I mean, if I do think, and I do think if you like markets are going to get more efficient and people have a interest in them not getting as efficient that that is that's how it's always going to be and and you have to continue to adapt and i'm and i apologize to people if i've like if i've made it harder for them to win um on teasers because of this um or if i i should say if i will make it harder for them to win because i think that i don't think things have changed very much right now yet um maybe they will maybe they won't uh, never underestimate the stupidity of these books, you know. Did you, so, you guys ever have uh, any discussions at like Unabated they, about these books? The could just do tool. this math themselves. It wouldn't be that hard. But sorry. Did you guys ever have any conversations about t- taking the teaser tool down? No, I think that the teaser tool's been been very popular and very successful, and we've had a lot of really really positive feedback on it. And I've gotten a lot of messages. I could read some of them to you if you want, but from people saying, like, I don't like understand why people are. I mean, basically people saying that that they haven't had any of their edges decrease um, as a result of unabated and they've been finding so many. So I think it's, I think people are, I mean, I think people are using this one example. Um, and but just, but just think about and, that. No, too, but it's this, right? like, uh, Jeff, Jeff, I'm saying they're using this one example, which may or may not have been us and, and, and saying that that's like, we've ru- ruined everything. And I do think that we are going to be making markets more efficient with this, w- regardless of whether we have or haven't yet. So I, I um, but I don't think we're at that point yet relative to, I mean, I think, I think, mar- I think teasers markets will get more efficient than they are now. Um, and so I guess maybe people will be more upset because um, right now one little thing changed um, that is, yeah. Right. So, I mean, the macro, I think, I think again, talk, the macro well, I, on this, I mean, talking about this on the podcast may actually be worse for these people than anything in a way, because if we're publicizing the, the teaser thing, sure. right. I don't know. No, I mean, um, and ultimately like, you know, I know, I know some of the people on debated were upset that we were going to have this conversation, but, but I hope they realize that it's probably a net positive for them. That no, we, I mean, look, Joey, so Joey, we, we, we had our biggest subscriber day in a few weeks. Um, the, after Joey Knish tweeted that out, because it basically was saying your, you know, your tool is so good that the sports books are using it. And so that's, I mean, it's, it's good marketing in that regard, but, um, but I do but understand. Okay. So, so to just to tie this up in a bow, right. The, 
the idea, you know, of one, we will acknowledge, yes, that the tool is a very good tool, right? It's, you've, you've asked me to use it a number of times. It's a very good tool. It's a beautiful it's cool. product. It's fun to play with. It is it, fun to it play clearly, with. It, it clearly has um, done a good job at, you know, educating people. Um, but I do, I do think the the real question is, and I don't think you had an answer for this, right? Because it's, I think it's unanswerable. What is the question? Is it, the, the unanswerable question is, is this sustainable, right? Is this business model of trying to provide value to betters to help them, you know, trying to provide enough value to betters that they're, how much is an unabated subscription? Uh, it depends. We have this new essentials tier now, which, which has, I think you can use the prop simulator and some, uh, a few. Just generally, how basic, much is it? Um, it's, not sure where our price is right now, but I'd say the price point is the $150 to $200 a month. Okay. So, and it's cheaper so, if you buy an annual. So a couple thousand dollars a year, right? But the Roughly. essentials is $60 a month, I think. So, 50, so this 60. is like, goes back to this whole idea is like, can you provide that level of value to a better where buying unabated and betting are like net EV over, over time? Oh, net yeah. positive EV. I mean, 100%. Yes. Like that, that I, I don't, I, but, but, but again, Rufus, like that's, I think that's unfair for you to say hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Because you're right. like and, anything and because, you provide. A tout could say, a tout could say that they're providing value because people are willing to pay for it. Correct. I, no, and you're right. It's, so it's I don't not, know. It's no, that's not, know. that's not what, that's but, not what I'm alluding to. What I'm alluding to is the fact that anything you put into the public domain will make the market smarter and therefore will and and will will you know everyone will have access to that information so it no longer will be a advantage right and the more things you do like that the the you know again you're going to have to continue to stay ahead of the market at some level and continue to innovate because like the teaser tool right now let's say it has whatever percent value to plus value over time, you believe you said on this that that will probably likely go to zero at some point, but maybe not. As you said, the sports books maybe are dumb and they'll never they'll never change. But like likely, what's going to happen is if there's value, that's going to diminish over time, right? So that's if every be the product case in anything, yeah, right. If any product can you I, create diminishes over time, then can I ask? Isn't that a sure? Okay, so we we have Ted Knutson on a little bit later, and and um, Statsbomb provides soccer data and and American football data. They're starting American football data, so they come out with this great new American football data product. If I buy it, if if I buy it, and other if I if and other betters buy it, suddenly I need to have this data just to sustain my edge because other betters have it. So it's I think it's the same thing with it's. It's a hundred percent the same thing. It's the same it's, thing, it's, right? It, it's 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 any. So even you know, I'm on on the board. I'm on the board of Statsbomb, and one of the things that I think about with a sports data company, and I, you know, Zealous, right? Like the the guys at Zealous, you know, Luke Bourne and whatnot. Like I know Luke Bourne. Yeah. Well, well, Zealous is like this incredible company that actually helps teams. And the, 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 the business model of a sports analytics slash data company is not dissimilar to the challenge you guys are facing right now, which is how do you make money long-term sustainable money and grow like at a venture capital or PE, you know, uh, trajectory 
where you know the the like the more customers you sell to, the less edge you give to those customers, right? And ultimately, again, when when I ask you a very simple not a, a question like, are you going to be able to do this long term? You say hundred percent yes. Oh, I think I, well, that's. I, I didn't say. I, I said one hundred percent. We're providing value to our customers. Um, at the moment, but I asked sure. you more more value than the money you're charging, right? Over time, and again, like the more customers you have, the less value you provide, right? Ultimately, and again, Ultimately, this is not like you're right. I don't. You're, you're, you're I don't want. Right. I don't want to attack. This is not like attacking unabated, right? Oh, because like I'm a big fan of you, what you guys are trying to do and whatnot. This is me attacking this this business model, which I think is is not like over time, it's just a very difficult business model. And if I could figure this out, I'd want to go start a business in this. Jeff, I mean, we're, I don't have all the answers. We're, we're still trying to figure this out and, and where that line is, where we're, 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 we're cannibalizing edges for people too much. Um, versus as I've said before, the, the products that allow you to essentially quantify your own opinion, uh, cause I believe something like that is sustainable. And so that is the ethos. That's kind of the ethos I believe in. Um, and that's kind of what I want our products to be. The challenge is the fact that products like the NFL season simulator, um, I think maybe we could have marketed it better. And I think it's not quite as easy to use as the prop simulator or the teaser tool. But but that's the kind of product that I was really excited to build because it's it allows you to quantify your own opinion. It's It's, I don't know, I think it's a great product. But but it's not what people want as much. And that, that's that been the biggest challenge. The fact that that we want to build this, like with that, we don't want to give out the answers, but um, more people just well, this want is the goes answers. back to the whole, like, that's, that's the whole the reason problem. that we give, this is the whole reason we still give picks out picks on, on the podcast. podcast. Right? It's, yeah. And so I, we want to build the, I mean, and we've had lots of conversations um, among the founders about, um, about, particular products and where we've been like no like we like that is that's just that is spoon feeding people we can't do that um and so i we we it it's certainly a challenge though jeff and i don't have all the answers and it's 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 been um a it's been this new world for me in a way um on the business side because my my business life was always so simple in the past just betting which is you know, yeah. So, um, it's been a learning experience and I'm going to continue to learn and grow from it. And I, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we can find a path where, um, I mean, I know we're never going to make everybody happy, but where we can continue to provide value in a, in a sustainable way. Well, I know that this interview probably isn't going to make anyone happy. Like people are going to think I went too easy on you. People are going to think I was too much of a dick to you, but the Look, reality is, I think that it's it's a what's it's that? like being on Twitter, right? I mean, yeah, right. It's, Anyways, yeah. Uh, well, we'll we'll wrap this up in a bow. It's over now, and uh, we'll bring in our guests that we're going to have. We're doing a holiday edition of the podcast where we bring in some of our favorite guests and ask them for predictions for 2023 and recap 2022. So Rufus and I will talk to you on the other side where we'll just conclude with a, a few picks and um, our normal our normal stuff. We now welcome in one of our good friends, Rob Pizzola, who is the 
what are you you wear a lot of titles now right are you like ceo of your hosts of uh, circles off and your you know ceo bet stamp and the what it, what's the other the hammer and all all these variety of things so uh welcome in rob thanks i will clarify so i'm the ceo of the hammer i have no working title for bet stamp i'm just a co-owner investor in bet stamp uh and then i do host uh, co-host circles off and a variety of other programs for the hammer and you host the number one live stream periscope on nfl mornings right isn't that the number one periscope I hope so. Actually, uses Periscope. It's called the Pizza Buffet. We do still stream to Twitter, but yeah, it, it shows up as like Twitter via Periscope. I don't really know how that works, but I think uh, they at one deprecated point. Periscope when I was there in many ways, and it was just supposed to be like Twitter Live. But they're probably still using the Periscope mm-hmm. technology. So, but I'm sure Elon will destroy that eventually because he's trying to destroy everything one by one. especially the things that don't make money. So that's another story for another time. Um, Welcoming you in for our holiday uh, tour around some of our favorite guests and friends, asking you guys all the same questions. And the first question is, who had a better 2022, Rufus or Jeff? I have to ask for clarity. So we're just talking, are we talking financial are we talking? We're just general? talking in any way. This is the okay. same way However we ask you the question: Who's smarter, it. Rufus or Jeff? Or who's who's uh, you know who who's uh, uh, funnier, Rufus or Jeff? You, you know, we're you just trying to build whoever you want. We're just trying to build Jeff's ego a little bit more. Okay, fair enough. So I will answer Jeff. Um, but here's the thing: I don't, I don't, I obviously know you guys, but I don't know you well enough to know your personal lives, what goes on, things of that nature. Rufus seems to have had a fun year. He's traveling a lot. Looks like he's traveling right now. Um, that's personally something that I value in life is like my ability to have free time, go see different places, do different things. So from that perspective, I think Rufus has had a great year, but I live and consume Twitter a lot. And I see a lot of what happens on Twitter. And I see a lot of Rufus arguing with people on a daily basis. And I don't see that with Jeff. So from that perspective, I would say Jeff in a, uh, by ever so slightly has probably had a better year in that he's had uh, less headaches to deal with. What is your proudest accomplishment from 2022? Uh, it's like cheesy cop-out answer, but I don't think people, um, people who have like never run a business before don't really know what it takes to get a business off the ground and the amount of work that it takes um, just to get something started and launched in a very short period of time. So I'm obviously involved with the hammer, uh, which we basically got launched in roughly two and a half months. Um, And I think it's been overwhelmingly a success from the business side of things. So I'm pretty proud of that, just having a very short turnaround and being able to have um, success with the business in the early going. And then the additional business that I'm involved with in BetStamp um, is doing very well right now in terms of growth uh, for active users, engagement, uh, minutes spent on the app on a daily basis uh, from a, a revenue side of things. It's going really well. So uh, I'm pretty proud of that. It's kind of like an endeavor, two endeavors where I really challenged myself. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way things have gone. And outside of that, I mean, everything else is kind of taking a backseat to that this year. So um, it, it's really hard for me to pinpoint anything else that I'm, you know, quote unquote, proud of this year. 
What do you think the most important story from 2022 is? Um, obviously, there's a lot of stories that have happened. Um, like in the in the regular world, we have like a war, a war going on in Ukraine and like a bunch of different things. So I'm not going to be the person that, you know, makes sense of or makes light of like what's important or not. That's not who I am. So I'm just going to tell a completely random story because it was very important to me. I think it's maybe just a, a good uh, lesson to people going forwards about treating other people well and uh, Argentina wins the World Cup recently. Leo Messi gets his uh, first World Cup. And I get a Gmail alert that $5,000 has been deposited into my bank account. Uh, in Canada, we use e-transfer a lot. So this is like, we don't use PayPal and Venmo a whole lot. So it's a lot of stuff's done through e-transfer. And I'm like, don't even recognize the name of the person who sent me this money. I'm like, this is a weird mistake. I contact the bank. They're like, no, no, no. It's like valid e-transfer. I have direct deposit enabled where I don't have to sign off on it. So I finally looked this person up. This person I met very briefly back in 2010. And we made a bet that I didn't remember. And I said that Leo Messi would win a World Cup before Cristiano Ronaldo. This was a drunken bet that we made at a bar. I had zero recollection of this, would have never, ever seek this person out. We have not communicated in 12 years, and they paid me out on that bet. And instantaneously, the day of the World Cup, sent me the money. Um, so I think good karma for him. Uh, his name is Frank. Again, I'll probably not, I might not ever interact with him again in my life, but I did reach out to him and say, hey, appreciate you sending that over. Uh, and I think that doesn't happen in this space all too often. So I just wanted to share that because I think it's important, just like pay your debts, be a good person. If you're willing to make a bet with somebody, no matter how dumb it is, if it's if you guys are drunk or whatever, the expectation on both ends is that uh, one person would pay out if they lose. So uh, it was very nice of him to do that. And I, I, I thought it was important to share that. Are you going to do something with that money, like donate it to charity in his name or do, or, or are you just going to go blow it on bourbon and whatever I, else you blow it on? I will, I will probably use it to fund a, a post vacation Super Bowl. Uh, a post Super Bowl take, vacation. <laughs> you'll take pictures and send them to him at least. No, not I will. Nothing, nothing I'll, for I, poor Frank. I, I, will, I will let him know. I'll take a nice picture on the beach because I'm going to go to somewhere warm for sure. We're dealing with like cold temperatures here. Uh, but yeah, sure. I'll send them some pictures and say, thank you for funding my trip, Frank. Really much uh, appreciated. Uh, I don't know if that's going to go over too well, but. No, that, that kind of seems like gloating at that point. <laughs> I, I was trying to say like, this guy gave you found money. Don't you want to do something with that found money? So listen, uh, listen. I don't, I, I've donated a lot to charity. I'm not going to make myself seem like this big humanitarian or whatever, but years ago, that pod, that Sunday morning NFL show that you referenced, we raised a bunch of money for diabetes research and I matched those donations personally as well. So I contribute to a lot of charities already. I can't put all of the money that I get into charity. I have four world vision, um, sponsor children that I've been sponsoring for upwards of 10 years. One of them is going on to college now as well. Like I do my part to give back because I know that as a sports better, I'm kind of a drain on society and I do recognize that. So it's, it is important for me to do some of that. 
What I will do for Frank is I will give him an opportunity to win his money back if he wants to, which I always do in these types of situations. So if he does want to go double or nothing on another bet that settles 15 years from now, sure, we can do that and I'll give him the option to do that. But um, to, to re responding to your question, Jeff, there are bets that I'm going to take and just keep the money in my account and spend it as, as I would like. Not everything is going to go to a charity. What are you most excited for in 2023? Um, the unknown. So I don't do a lot of planning. Um, I know 2023 is going to be a lot of the same for me this year uh, in terms of running the hammer, trying to grow it, um, being a part of trying to grow BetStamp. But I have a very addictive personality and I pick up like I'll, I'll do something once and I'll become addicted to it. And that'll be like my thing for the year. Um, might be a specific video game at one point in life. It was table shuffleboard at one point in life. It was golf last year. Um, fitness one year, like, you know, several years ago. I don't know what that's going to be for me this year. So I, I mean, that's kind of what excites me. Like I, I will do something randomly with a group of friends. We might go axe throwing or something like that. And I'm like, I need, I need to, this needs to be my life for the next four or five months. Cause I love this and I've become uh, obsessed with something. So I'm looking forward to figuring out what that is this year. Um, I do have some nerve damage going on right now. So I don't know that golf is in the, is in the cards for me this upcoming year. So I'm going to try to find something else, but I don't know what it is. And, um, I, I, you know, that, that actually really excites me. Like that scares a lot of people when they're like, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. For me, it's like, no, I I'm, I'm very open to a lot of different things. And um, I hope we do this next year uh, again, Jeff, and I can, um, I can let you guys know what my obsession was this year. There you go. And then what's your bold prediction for 2023? Um, I don't know how bold this is, but I'll try to make it more bold. Um, by using like actual figures. So the crypto market cap right now, as of the time of this recording is roughly $800 billion. I'm gonna say that by the end of next year, it's half of that, 400 billion or lower. Um, I think crypto is gonna to continue to suffer. I think there's a lot of people who are kind of reaching the point of optimism now, where they think like a new cycle is going to start for Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, I think we're still ways away from that. Uh, I'm not in, I'm, I'm not like a guy that typically loves making bold predictions because I don't like being held accountable for predictions for the most part on stuff that I don't care about. But, uh, this is one I would hope fingers crossed. I hope I'm wrong about because I, you know, I do have some net worth in crypto, but I think it's going to be uh, a big struggle in 2023 again. Interesting. Um, I am reluctant to ask this question because it, you know, it's going to derail and we, I, we only want to keep you on for a short time, but if we can have a quick talk on this, um, and this is going to be juxtaposed with the conversation that Rufus and I are having actually probably before we air this. So there will be some context. Both of you guys in this past year have started businesses that are, you know, basically trying to help betters. You're doing it through content, uh, unabated is doing it through tools um, you've largely stayed unscathed as you've been sort of doing this business while Rufus has had some challenges, as you've mentioned in your questions, what do you think is different 
in um, that's allowed you to stay more more less scathed than Rufus has been. Um, and it's kind of an interesting kind of question or juxtaposition, right? So for me, I think the answer for this one in particular is easy in that Rufus has been outspoken in the past against touts. And I'm not saying that unabated is a tout service because I don't actually agree with it, with, but like people conflate it all into one. So there's a large portion of the population that's going to say, oh, Rufus is selling something and he's been anti-selling something for the majority of his life. And whether that's true or not, um, you know, Rufus can speak on his own behalf, but I've been pretty outspoken before um, about just being real with my audience. I don't care to sell stuff. I just don't want to be a sellout is what it comes down to. So um, I think that's it. I think it's just like the, you know, Rufus had a public, very public stance about something. And in the eyes of many, he has altered that stance and people just don't accept that. Um, for me, I ran prediction machine years ago. Uh, I don't regret it. I would do it again if I was forced to been very public about that. Um, so I think it's just our viewpoints on what's acceptable and what's not. Um, but I mean, for me, and I'm not saying that this isn't the case for Rufus. I just try to make it a personal goal of mine to be as um, honest and like real with my audience as possible. That's a great answer, Rob. I mean, there, it could be uh, several other things, but I, I think that's that that's at its core, it's that. Um, uh, I think also the hammer, I mean, you all are monetizing not via subscription, but via affiliate, which is which is different. I mean, so not, not, not actually via affiliate either. So we have, we take sportsbook partnership deals, which are to raise brand awareness for those sportsbooks. And again, like people will always be like, oh, how can you promote these recreational books and stuff like that? It's like, I bet on every single one of these recreational books. Like every single sportsbook that I promote I bet at, and I would advocate that people go bet at them because one, the, the issues that most of us have with these books are the limiting of sharper betters. That is not a problem for like 99% of betters. And they're looking for a good product or they're betting at a scale where they're not gonna get limited. And on top of that, like each of these books does have inherent flaws where you can beat them as a better. And I do put out educational content on how to do that. Um, so I have zero issues with that, but we don't, we don't, that stamp monetizes through affiliate. The hammer does not. They're just strict okay. sportsbook brand partnership deals um, where they sponsor content, they get ad reads and stuff like that. And we grow visibility for that sportsbook, but that doesn't bother me. Um, and people, you know, can feel free to, disagree like there's people out there that really want to promote sports books and that's completely fine i personally have zero issue with it because like i said i bet through all these books myself and i advocate through betting as through as many books as possible all right man good answer thoughtful answer appreciate you as always rob um and have a great new year and we look forward to seeing the great things that you'll do in the new year appreciate that guys happy new year to you as well all the best in 2023. Thanks, Rob. We now welcome in one of our dear, dear friends who's uh, a little different than some of the other um, guests we have on the show because he's kind of a former better who now is 
a businessman, like, you know, bi- businessman, business, businessman. He's a businessman. And uh, he's the CEO and founder of StatsBomb Services, uh, Ted Knutson. Uh, welcome in, Ted, and, and Happy New Year. I'm a businessman. Businessman. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Good to be back. Um, we're going to ask you guys all the same five questions, and we're going to kind of rapid fire them so we can get you out of here quickly. But first question is, who had a better 2022, Rufus or Jeff? I'm going to go with Rufus on this one. I feel like I got to lean on Rufus. Also, he's, he's like freshly quaffed. So he's got that, you know, little spiky haircut going on. I don't know if it's a good haircut, but, you know, at least he's putting in some effort. It was, it was shorter than I wanted. That's what we saw him all quaffed at Carbone. He was so quaffed with like a blazer. And I thought he was trying to take one of us home. That, that man definitely looked like he had, he had another date later on that evening. I don't know which one he was trying to take home, but hopefully it was you. Uh, what's your proudest accomplishment from 2022? Uh, not saying por qué no los dos to that last question. Um, no. Um, so I think that we had two new sales uh, this past year in StatsBomb. Those of you who don't know StatsBomb, we generate the world's best sports data in two sports now. Uh, one of them is in soccer. And we actually sold our first um, set of live data to gambling operators. So that's new for us. We hadn't been doing that before. And then the other one is we we sold our our first American football data to an American football team, um, and that is super excited because that is just an epic amount of work and attention to detail and grinding that's gone into that. Um, for those of you who don't know what it's like to create something like truly new and release it into the world, like it is one of these amazing feelings, especially when someone pays you for it. And I can vouch that the data is the best in the world. <laughs> is it? Um... Well, I won't, it, uh, I was going to say like the, the accomplishment of like launching a business, do you equate it? Cause you've launched some kids into the world is like, similar to launching a kid into the world. Um, yeah, hopefully a little faster in, in terms of like, uh, the, their growth. <laughs> um, I, I now have a, a, almost a 14 year old, almost a 13 year old and an eight year old. So like very busy, long periods of time, but it is, it takes a lot of nurturing, like a lot of dealing with humans, which is hard, but, um, you know, unlike sort of launching kids like these are your ideas uh you know your kids are gonna turn out and you try and guide them but these ones you have a lot more direct influence on on a day day by day basis what do you think the most important story from 2022 is betting or otherwise so i'm gonna go a little bit with otherwise but it's impacting betting in a broader space um the the downturn in the stock market and the war and the inflation have really kicked into gear a lot of stuff that is seeing on the investment level, which is trickling strongly into the gambling space. So because inflation is there, because interest rates have gone back up, because like the stock market is completely created, because crypto is taking a giant bath and and you know may not recover in a in a broad way anytime soon. Um, you're seeing like just a, a complete inability to raise money for even growing companies, growing companies that have like pretty good metrics. And what that means is you're also seeing like some companies die that had good ideas. Some companies get acquired that, you know, we're not expecting to be acquired and that changes their transition. It also means that anybody that was sitting on a bunch of cash, whether that's from a PE perspective or from, you know, being one of the giants in the industry and having like a nice little bit of, you know, cash put away is going to be able to pick up a lot of companies for free 
if they want to. Uh, so the M&A space has gotten a little more frisky and, and may get a lot more frisky soon. Uh, that will impact some of the things that you see come out front uh, into the gambling space or the data space or the sports space or whatever. Um, and it may actually prevent some really cool things that were going to happen, but just didn't get to, you know, big enough critical mass because we didn't see them, you know, mature long enough. What are you most excited for in 2023? Signing lots of American football teams and also getting the American football gambling data out there. Um, we design data to be the best in the space for both gambling and kind of team recruitment or, you know, just team analysis. And we haven't paid any attention to the gambling space in the United States at all. Uh, that's going to change next year. And we also have hit kind of critical mass on the StatsBomb IQ product for being having just enough features and functionality to really make um, you know things fly from an analysis perspective. Like we have a customer on there that's doing like you know 300 sort of interrogations a week on the on the front end platform plus whatever whatever they do on the data, which means that we've got a lot of questions that we're answering from that perspective. So, you know, it's like, yes, we do have, you know, customers on it now, but now we're going to see it go from, you know, single digits into, into doubles. We're going to get a lot of feedback about what's not good enough, which is great because it teaches you how to get better. Um, and then, yeah, it's, I haven't been involved in the U S gambling space since I probably left the country, uh, which was, you know, 15 years ago. So it'll be a, a nice return for me, uh, in that way. And then finally, what's your bold prediction for 2023? Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. I, I think, I think maybe that Jeff's going to have a better 2023 than Rufus. I, I think, I think Jeff's on a come up this year. There we go. Um, did you have any thoughts or um, comments on the, on the world cup and the, you know, the, how it all turned out and, did you think that, did you see any, did, was there any impact that, that you felt like stats bomb had on the world cup? Uh, there was a team that finished in the top four that nobody expected that happened to be one of our, our customers that we can't talk about. That was pretty sick. Um, or we couldn't talk about it at the time. It's, it's going to be public knowledge that Morocco were, were working with us the entire time. And it was really fun to like watch them from behind the scenes. We had other customers as well. So, so I'm not cherry picking like Canada who actually had some pretty good games as well, but went out in the, in the group stage were one of our customers, <laughs> maybe one or two other ones. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun to watch that. Uh, whenever I come on the show and you ask me about like gambling stuff from the World Cup, I'm always like, look, the dogs always have value. Every single World Cup, the dogs have value. Man, did the dogs have value this time around on a game-by-game -game basis. That was, that was pretty strong. So uh, I, I, was, I was delighted to not be proven an idiot in that space once again. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's always great to have you on. Maybe we'll have you on in the off-season. Um, to talk a little bit about the American football product after you guys have gotten to some traction with some teams and um, we can help talk through some of it. But um, as always, uh, uh, great to talk to you and happy new year. Thanks guys. Cheers. Have a, a great new year and uh, look forward to seeing you next year in 2023. Thanks Dad. So that was all of our favorite people um, kind of sending the 2022 out the right way and bringing us into 2023 um, Rufus, I think it's our turn now to answer those questions. So the first thing I ask you, and we can go back and forth is who had a better 2022, me or you? I'm going to go with 
me because I won the bet the process invitational. <laughs> I mean, I think Jeff, your three putt from five feet sealed, sealed, sealed that for me. So that that's the angle I'm going to take. I'm going to go with you also because you live the life of um, the bachelor gallivanting around the United States and points unknown and being able to um, live the life that we all, all want to live. You are the person that actually gets to drive to the ice cream, gets to pay for the ice cream and also gets to eat all the ice cream you want still. It doesn't so just kind of it, live in the, the life of luxury. It sounds better than it is, Jeff. Well, but I, so I get maybe, it. maybe, maybe you're not uh what if it, if it sounds better than it is, maybe you aren't able to eat all the ice cream you want anymore. I don't know what the analogy well, I, is there. I think you know the ice cream analogy, of right? Of course I do. I, I guess my point is at this point, maybe I have a, maybe I value a different type of ice cream. Wait, that's that, that sounded okay. What is your proudest <laughs> accomplishment bad, but... from 2022? What is my proudest accomplishment for 2022? I think it is the growth I've made as a person. Um, and I think being able to sort of handle whatever comes at me. And I think there's been, it's, you know, the last year has not been the, it hasn't been the easiest year for me. It really hasn't, you know, we didn't have as good a betting year as we did in 2021. Um, I've been kind of unmoored and trying to kind of, find a home in a way, but I think I've made, I've grown a lot spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And I think that I have the, I have the tools necessary to succeed going forward, I think. And I, I know what I can control and it makes me really kind of excited about the rest of my life, to be honest. I don't know what's going to come, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. So that's, I think my greatest accomplishment is my growth mentally, spiritually, emotionally. What about you? I think uh, I'm proud of um, what we've been able to do on this podcast this year. I feel like we went from a highly disorganized, highly dysfunctional to a slightly disorganized, slightly dysfunctional but more structured and, and, you know, we're, I think the deep dirty secret that we'll never admit publicly is we may have more than seven listeners, but um, we have merchandise coming up in the new year, which you can buy, which I think will be really cool. Um, and yeah, I think just excited about the idea of continuing to do this kind of like the way that we want to do. And, you know, today's episode was a testament to a hard conversation that I think that, we hopefully handled better, or I, I certainly, I handled better than maybe we did the first time we had one of these conversations. So um, I'm proud of that as an accomplishment. Most important story from 2022 sports betting or otherwise. Um, I, There's a lot I of, think, you go first. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go first this time. Cause I made you go first the last few times. Um I think it's really the sort of struggle that sports betting is having in the United States right now, where there are um, these sort of 
people ask me all the time about it and I have a lot of like philosophical takes on it. And I also have a lot of business takes on it and my business takes on it right now, or that it's a very poor, poor industry from a standpoint of the people that run these companies that would be the sort of stewards of the industry are the wrong people. And the idea that, you know, Jason Robbins um, or, or, you know, uh, um, I forget the name of the woman at FanDuel, but, you know, the fact that they are so needing to focus so much on margin right now and on sort of prof, you know, like just the, the sort of like hold percentage comes completely at the sort of detriment of the customer. And honestly, it's very short-term thinking because the more people that you burn out of sports betting, the less it's going to grow. And the, you know, the, the, the actual experience and the innovation, like, you know, I, I would say like at least same game parlays have some semblance of fun. So at least there's like some fun there that they're introducing. And so maybe, maybe I'm missing the boat there, but like the idea that we don't have um, great stewards, i.e. the people running these companies um, actually representing the customer's interests correctly um, is a real problem. And I think that's my story from 2022. How about you? You know, I was going to go along similar lines and say the story, I, I was going to say the story is the negativity surrounding sports betting now and all the bad stories about people trying to withdraw. And um, I mean, it feels like a new day and another day, another feature story that portrays it in a bad light. And I think a lot, it's, I think it's self-inflicted wounds. And I hope my, I hope what it does is it spurs change. I think first off, I think we need change regulatorily, right? Regulatorily. Is that a word? It is now. Um, because I do think right now, better's interests still are not protected. It's they're they don't have a seat at the table. And you see it when when you're you're told that you can't withdraw money until you provide income verification because of because they need because it's their responsible gambling check. Yet there's also a button that says, keep like it's okay, I'll deposit more money. In which case, there's no verification. I mean, so I think that as this stuff become gets, I, I think this coming more to light is going to force some changes. And I don't know if I, I hope that. Um, well, actually, and and similarly, I think what what we're seeing is the fact that these states are realizing they're kind of getting shafted um, because they're not getting the tax revenue they were promised because these operators are allowed to deduct all the promotion costs, and so. Um, I, I think we're we're kind of hitting a point where things may change a little bit, and and I kind of am excited to see where where that goes, and I'm hopeful that maybe we'll act, maybe it'll actually improve the industry. What's your bold prediction for 2023? You know, I had one, and now I feel like I'm kind of oh, going actually, back. sorry, we skipped we skipped. Wait. What are you most we skipped? What are you most excited for in 2023? So I'm excited for a few different things, Jeff. I'm excited to, but uh, I mean, I'm pr excited personally to kind of try to be more anchored in one place and kind of start getting in good routines and kind of building a life again. Um, Cause I feel like I've kind of been a trap, like a visitor, like a perpetual visitor all year, just on the move. 
And so I haven't had those routines. Um, but professionally, I have a lot that I'm excited about. I'm excited about Bet the Process. I'm very excited about the merchandise to be able to wear some Bet the Process, Bet the Process merchandise. Um, and I'm excited for um, the new partnership I have, um, you know, in my betting operation with Taylor and where we can kind of go with that. And so, um, and obviously unabated and, and the success. So I, I have a lot that I'm excited about and I didn't really give you a most, but I, I would say the most, the thing I'm most excited about is definitely my personal is, is the personal stuff, but that's definitely less interesting to people on a sports betting podcast. What is the thing you are most excited about in 2023? I'm excited to turn 50. That's uh, really exciting. Uh, not really. We're redoing our house. So I'm excited for that to be done. Um, that's going to take a while. Um, I'm excited to figure out what I do next in my life, to be honest. Like it's, I've never had a time um, in my life where I've um, just kind of like had the time to think a little bit about things. Like I've, you know, I, I kind of know I don't want to start something from scratch again. Um, and I know I don't really want to take a job necessarily. So it's really, uh, um, there's a lot of opportunities in the areas that I'm very focused on um, and the areas that I'm super passionate about, whether it's sports or golf or leisure and hospitality. So um, I've been spending a lot of time with like super interesting people in both of those spaces and learning a lot about them. And um, hopefully we'll find something amazing to work on for the next chapter of my life. So I'm pretty excited for that. Um, and then finally, Rufus, what is your bold prediction for 2023? Oh, I mean, this might sound hopeful. I was going to predict that the Orioles will make the playoffs despite the fact that they haven't signed any free agents, but um, that that's quite bold. My bold prediction. I don't know they how were, to quantify were, it, but but I I want to. They wanna, were in the mix this year, right? They for were a little while. They definitely yeah, were. So. They were in the mix like the whole year, but and they have a young team. Um, they're not going to be a favorite too. But I don't know how to quantify this, but I do think that the exchanges, it, um, I think sport trade and to a lesser extent profit, um, are going to take off and uh, provide show that there is a viable alternative. Um, in the sports betting space. So that that's maybe that's hopeful, but that's something I would like to see. And so I'm going to predict it. I said, and, I, and I think, and, and I'll say this, I think, look, I, I the, you, you talked about not having good stewards. Like I, I will say I've known Alex Kane for three years and he's someone, uh, captain Jack actually said at one point to me early on that like Alex Kane is the only person in the sports betting industry who has no conflicts of interest, who doesn't have any baggage or anything. And he's, he is approaching it with the customer in mind. And that's, and, and I kind of believe in his vision. And so I think that, um, you know, that, that is what makes me very optimistic about sport trade. My and bold prediction, yeah. my bold prediction is a parlay prediction. It's that the San Francisco 49ers win the Super Bowl and the Boston Celtics win the NBA championship. Let's see what that parlay would pay off. I don't, I actually don't even know. How we should have to, we should, parlay. we should have to make each make a parlay on who wins the major sports or something like that. Well, I have, I have futures on all of those. So on those two. So that's, that's my bold prediction. Oh, wait. Um, actually, can I, I want to change mine. I'm going to, my bold prediction is going to be that Patrick Rogers finally wins a golf tournament, a PGA event. And it's a week where we didn't bet on him. 
There you go. Um, do you want to do uh, um, uh, picks for this week? Yeah. What about uh, what was your tilted moment of the week? Til- oh, tilted moment of the week. God, what was my tilted moment of the week? Um, let's see. S- the entire NFL slate on Sunday. Is that right? Saturday. When was the entire NFL slate? Saturday. Um, yeah. T- entire basic. Saturday was one of our worst days that we've had in a while. And um, it was on the back of like some amazing you know, like actually last week was generally, you know, you have these great weeks and then you almost always feel like they're going to be followed up by bad weeks. That was pretty much what happened last week. We had a bad week. Um, well, you remember, week, remember my week. week. Good. You remember my week, not this past no, week. No, I didn't because I wasn't Sorry. paying attention. I was too busy telling you how good my week was. Well, I remember when I told you about my bad week and you were like, hey, I went 11 and one. Yeah. What was one. your tilted moment? But so we followed up a bad week with a, another losing week, which wasn't fun, but um, my tilting moment was not my flights being canceled twice. I think my tilted mo- tilting moment is more just my disappointment in myself for responding to all this, to, to getting into that stuff on Twitter. So I let it, I let my mental, my inner peace be disturbed. And so that's something that, you know, I know that's something I control and that's something I need to do better at. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Rufus and I talked about this a little bit off the air after we finished our discussion. Ultimately, I think one of the things that, you know, Rob Pizzola talked about is, you know, like no one on Twitter or no one in this world is actually going to take the time to understand what people's real motivations are or what people really are like as people. And, um, you know, it happens to me all the time. Like people take me to be a certain way and assume certain things about me based on my persona. And I I think you, you fall prey to that. I think my only advice to you would be is start to either reflect on how things you say might sound or just don't say anything, you know, like I'm a share Jeff. I'm naturally a share, but I think it's, if somebody, I mean, the Buddha saying, I I am too Rufus, but it doesn't, it doesn't always work. No, I know. And you're right. When somebody says something that clearly doesn't demonstrates they don't understand you, I'm like, well, I want you to understand me, kind of. And Do you but, think they want to understand you? No, I think that's that's the takeaway. The takeaway is they, yeah. yeah. I mean, and don't take don't take things personally because when somebody, I mean, it's what, I think that's the first of the four agreements, right? Don't take things personally because it's almost always about about what's going on with the other person rather than about you. Yeah. All right. Predictions for this week or sorry, picks for this week. Picks for this week. Uh, I'll let you go first. No, you go first. You just spent all made us spend all this time letting you enter your shit in. You must have something. I did. I'm, 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 I'm now perusing my lines. We, everything's in stake by in play, by the way, we've got the college playoff games. If you want to pick one of those, I think I, I, I don't remember what, I think I picked the total under for the national for, for the semifinal. Um, last week. Oh, you did last week, I think. Yeah, you're so right. You're right. I was that's why I had to put some NFL stuff in because I didn't want to pick the same thing twice. Because that that would be padding, you know, making it a two unit play. Okay. You can make it a two unit play. That's what mm-hmm. Carville's been doing this whole time on 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 Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm kind of proud of my accomplishment from 2022 at becoming 
like pretty good on Tony's show. Like I'm in a rhythm now with him where I'm able to like have fun and kind of get into his. I also, I've made, I don't know if you ever listened to the show, but like he does like a beginning intro, which is a flashback to one of his previous episodes. And I've, I've made a couple of those flashbacks recently, which is pretty exciting. I had never made them before. So I'm proud of you. I'm doing a better job. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm proud of myself. Very proud. Okay. I'm going to take the Raiders with Jared Stidham starting at quarterback plus 10 at home against the 49ers who Jared's the 49ers don't who, uh, you know, I still think 49ers defense is fantastic. Um, but I still am not, I, I don't think their offense with Brock Purdy is amazing. And I think it, Jared Stidham's a big downgrade. I have the Raiders now as five points worse than an average team on a neutral field, but to me, like a line of 10, just when the Raiders are at home, seems like way too much. I think it should be around six and a half. So I am going with Las Vegas. A line of, a line of 10 when when a team is and literally that offensively challenged is 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 uh seems like a lot. And San Francisco's wrapped up the division and doesn't really have a shot at the bye either. So I mean, I'm not I don't think they're gonna sit anybody, but um I mean I do think maybe McCaffrey doesn't get as many carries or something like that because they certainly don't want to risk injury there. Um not the running backs matter. They don't matter. They don't matter at all. Oh, that Texas Washington game's down to three, huh? We have a bet on that, I believe. Yeah, you have you have you have Texas at a at a bigger number. Unfortunately. Do I? We have yeah. Texas minus five, yeah. And we have some under sixty seven and a half. And that's what's that now? I'm gonna go against everything I love in the world and I'm going to take Ohio Dolphins. state plus the six and plus oh. the six and a half. Right. Ohio state plus the six and a half. Yeah. I like it. I, I think unfortunately that that line should be closer to a field goal. Um, I think there's quite a bit of it as dumb as the sounds because motivation is it's the college football playoffs, but Ohio State's been certainly the one that everyone's talked about, like their explosive plays that they allow. You read some stuff about their defense, just like having the sort of like that taste in their mouth. And, um, you know, Georgia's better for sure. And I hope Georgia wins and whatnot. But I think I would going to take the six and a half as, as the, as the pick this week. So you're, you're trying to hit that middle. My like the middle your, between what your I Calcutta, hope happens. And, like I don't know if you have Georgia yeah. futures, but your Calcutta. I don't have Georgia futures this year. You have the Calcutta though, so you're trying to hit the middle with the I Calcutta do. and the. I do. In your bet. Yeah, the, the, the sort of the. But that's just that's just Rufus edge. coin. So who cares? It's true. Yeah. Who Rufus would you take in the? Uh, very well. Would you take Michigan in the other one? No. Like seven and a half. I don't think I would. I would take. Yeah. No. Actually, I would. Sorry. I would. Seven and a half. That's that's come down a little, hasn't it? I don't know. I, I mean, we, Bud, we make Bud it was kind of saying, "What's that?" We make it twelve. Oh wow! So you actually really like Michigan then? Um, I mean, you know, eight and nine aren't exactly worth a lot. So it's we don't really like it, especially games and historically, like games in that range, the the seven and a half, like don't profile. Um, 
in terms of your base cover rate, I don't expect a seven and a half point favorite typically to hit 50%. I expected to hit like 49 and a half percent going forward. So explain that to people. Um, so I guess we believe in market inefficiency of closing lines, but it's a weak form market inefficiency in that. And I think, and I'll give Logan some props here for uh, a point he made on Twitter about this, but basically that you're not, the line doesn't have to make it all the way to efficiency. It just needs to make it to a point where nobody can find a good bet. Right. And seven and a half is one of those cases. um, No, I'm just saying that in general, the market overvalues favorites just across all sports and overs. That's been kind of the case historically. Like road road underdogs have typically profiled as the best bets in sports. And I remember from 2000 to 2009, if you bet every Major League Baseball home underdog at pinnacle closing line, you would have made a profit. That is blindly betting one out of these four different bet types. So there are, I mean, I, you don't expect it to continue like that. But my point is, I do expect long-term like unders to continue to hit over 50% to be maybe like 50.4%. But just because it's 50.4% doesn't mean that you can blindly bet them and win. So it's not, it's it's slightly inefficient, but not inefficient enough where it can be exploited. And so that's no sharp is going to be able to find, you know, an, an edge to drive it all the way to efficiency. Now, if every game was trading at minus 101, minus 101, then we wouldn't see that. But because it's minus one ten, minus one ten, you can you can have a uh, a bet type that kind of profiles it, it above or below fifty percent. And by the way, we've seen this in in college football historically with favorites of twenty plus. The bigger favorites tending to cover a lot more than than they should. And I think we've talked about this and why. With I think we did with Bud once and why. Um, if it's these these coaches know the spreads and they want to help make the boosters happy or what, but I mean, there's been some interesting college halves uh, last night in the Wisconsin game. I don't know if you saw the end of that game, but like Wisconsin could have taken a knee in a one score game. And uh, you know, Mike Gundy called off the dogs and meaning like he didn't call timeout. He could have, and Wisconsin still almost tried to score. Um, they ran like a quarterback keeper. And then earlier in the week, um or last week in the Houston um Louisiana game I think that was the game Houston um in a situation where they could have like taken a knee and then kicked a field goal ended up um you know doing a situation like kind of uh they ended up throwing a pass it was a very it was a strange strange play but it may either they were trying to cover or they were like literally just because that was a game that had like really weird line movement i don't know if you remember it it went from like it was like in the neighborhood of seven and then the day of it dove to like i think it got down to as low as four all at the last you know in the last like hour or two of the game uh or before the game but then they 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 covered with just this um really what was just a strange strange play like you throw the ball in that situation and you know i mean it may just be that these coaches are like this doesn't really matter like in the grand scheme of things i'd rather 
go out this way where my team still gets to play versus taking a knee and kicking a field goal. So if that's the case, I applaud them, but um, it was very odd. <laughs> so, well, Sorry, Rufus, I didn't follow that. that that was that was a long uh, that was that was a lot of uh, a lot for I me. Mean, I didn't watch the, the long and short Jeff, of it was I that basically that, Houston, like the long and short of it is teams behave Louis differently Louis. in bowl games sometimes because they're glorified exhibition games. They play different end of game. Is that the general point? Because that's something I mean, that I, I certainly. I found that betting second halves in bowl games is a different animal entirely. I looked into it after having like two losing years in the early days of our betting college football second halves. And I realized that there's, there's um, teams don't behave the same way with the leads that they would, you know, that type of thing. Got it. So, all right. Rufus, happy new year. Happy new year, Jeff. Merry Festivus. For the rest of us. Uh, to all you guys that listen to us all year, we wish you um, a happy new year. We'll see you guys all uh, next year. Um, and we're going to have hopefully more stuff in store. So feel free to jump into the discord and give us comments and continue to um, poke and prod Rufus until he blocks you. Um, and hopefully we all have a, a great new year. We'll talk to you guys all again um, in 2022.